0: Growing up, I had longed to have a complete family. I was raised by my grandmother, whom I was made to believe was my mother. However, when she had to migrate to the United States, I found out the truth about our relationship. After she left, I had to live with my actual mom. Seeing my mom being in and out of romantic relationships, I had emptiness in my heart and was jealous for her attention. She tried to let me be comfortable with her boyfriend at that time, trying to make him like a father figure to me. Just when I thought everything was going well, her boyfriend started molesting me. I felt helpless, dirty, and scared. I resolved not to tell anyone out of fear. However, that made me feel resentful towards my mom. I blamed her for what had happened. Thankfully, they eventually separated in 2001. Months after, m- months after, my real dad reached out to us to work out his relationship with my mom. To my delight, they got married, and I finally had a complete family. However, things didn't turn out the way I hoped it to be. There were constant fights and quarrels between them. Because of how broken I was at home, I indulged in romantic and even sexual relations. I was also hooked to pornography and other vices like drinking. In 2004, we got invited to attend a church service. It was then I first heard about Jesus Christ and how He died for my sins, but admittedly, it was all too hard for me to digest. I questioned this loving God about my misery and how could He ever love someone as dirty and sinful as me. I wanted God to turn my life for the better, but I was also clinging on to my worldly ways. Even after months of attending church, there was no real transformation in our family. I began to question God if he was indeed real and if he ever even cares for me. In 2006, after my parents stayed together for almost four years, their marriage soon ended in a messy separation. I found out my mother got pregnant by another man. Their separation devastated me. At the age 15, I ran away from the presence of my family, but since I have little knowledge of how to be independent, I tried different ways to make ends meet. At the lowest point in my life and out of desperation to stay away from my family and to survive, I've made the worst decision of putting myself out and selling my body for sex. Doing so made me despise myself and look at myself as nothing more than dirty, unwanted, and a slave to sin. My habits became worse. I would often go out for clubbing and drinking till the break of dawn. I continued being in and out of relationships and even having casual sex with different men. One night, after getting home drunk, I knelt down in desperation and earnestly prayed for God to find me. I told him how tired I was feeling alone, broken, and messed up. But God, in his sovereignty, had a rescue plan for me. One day, my landlady decided to lock up my apartment due to accumulated unpaid bills and rent. I had nowhere to go that time. Out of the blue, my mom's sister found me in a convenience store where I was staying for the night. Not long after, she helped me reconnect with my mom. After adjusting to being with my mom again, a family friend invited me to an event in CCF, Alabang. In that event, I accepted God's invitation to return to him. I prayed for forgiveness and repented of my sins. I know I was broken and had a messy past, but I learned that God is a God of second chances. My life after God rescued me, indeed, was never the same. I started attending Bible studies in the year 2010 and have also joined youth retreats. In 2011, God granted me the opportunity to serve Him in our campus ministry. I began to be involved in sharing the gospel and holding Bible studies with my schoolmates. Soon after, I also started my own group in our church. Even after college, I continued to dedicate my single years in serving God, using every opportunity to minister to people who I could see my old self in. By God's grace, he renewed my relationship with my family. I have forgiven my parents and have sought their forgiveness as well. I am walking with God now as a married woman, serving Him together with my husband in CCF, the Gupan, and in the community where He has placed us together. Peace, God. By His grace, I have been walking with Him for almost 14 years now since He has rescued me from my dark past. I hold Galatians 2.20 in my heart and borrow the words of the Apostle Paul. It says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live in by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. My name is Faye Sugayu. once living a defeated, sinful life now living victoriously through Jesus Christ.
1: Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, sister. Now, do you know that Fea is happily married to Steve? Is God amazing? Yes or no? I realized something. No matter what is your past, under the grace of God, God can give you a new beginning. Amen? And that is our message today. But before we do that, let's pray for this couple. Everybody, if you don't mind, raise your right hand. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for Steve and above all for Fea, for giving her a humble heart to share her past, to encourage others, and above all, to glorify your name. So with one heart, the whole church and all of those who are watching us all over the world, we pray that you protect this family, expand their ministry, and thank you for their faithfulness in serving you in the Gupan. I thank you for this couple, and I now pray you bless them, not just in their relationship, bless them as they serve you financially, physically, spiritually, in every sense of the word. And may you be honored and glorified through this couple. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. You know, one of Satan's great deception is for you to focus on your past. You know why? When you focus on your past, Satan is victorious. Think about it. You cannot change your past. By focusing on the past, what are you going to accomplish? Pretty soon, you begin blaming the past. Like Phaeas, blaming her parents, blaming the people who abuse her, and you become a basket case. And that's what Satan wants for you to blame others, to blame your past. But God is different. You know, God is amazing. I don't know if we can uh, bring out that amazing scripture that God gave me this week. It's found in Isaiah. I want you to read this. Isaiah 43. Let's read this together, okay? Everybody, do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Stop focusing on the past. Behold, I will do something new. It will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? Look at the promise of God for you. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Some of you are living in the wilderness. Your future seems impossible. And God is saying, you know what? Don't, Focus on your past. I want to make something new. Today, it can be your new day. Are you ready for it? Do you know how to accept the new day that God wants you to have? All right, let's turn to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2 is an amazing chapter because it talks about a girl by the name of Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. Humanly speaking, you can never imagine how God can use this girl because her past was awful. She cannot change her past. Look at what was going against Rahab. She belonged to a culture that is pagan. They worship many gods. Her past all of her experiences is doomed to destroy her future. Yet, something happened to her. And you know what happened to her? I call that the grace of God. What's my proof? Are you ready? All right. Joshua chapter 2, I've entitled this message, Victorious Faith. It Br- brings victorious living. Everybody read this. Victorious faith. Brings victorious living. Now, why is this important? You know, I've discovered many of us live defeated lives. You know the Lord, but you don't have joy. You don't have peace. Your life is like in the desert. In Tagalog, "babanjing-banjing" na lang. Okay. You go through routines. You come to church out of duty. You pray, but there is no real connection with God. You don't really know what's going to happen to your life. I have good news for you. Victorious faith. I will teach you how to have real faith based on the story of Rahab. And the result will be victorious living. Now, let me ask you a question. What enters your mind when you think of the word faith? Okay. Let's start with this group. What is faith to you? You know, by looking at me, we are not going to go anywhere. <laughs> Say something. What is faith? Believe? Trust? Trust? Anything else? You see, we deal with generalities. Faith. Believe. What do you believe? I believe. What do you believe? I believe what the church believes. What does the church believe? The church believes in what I believe. In Tagalog, malabo. I'm going to teach you what is biblical faith. Biblical faith always has an object. No, There's no such thing as faith in faith. Faith always has an object. You exercise faith every day. Look at you now. Why are you relaxed and seated on the chair? Why? Because you believe the chair will support you. You are exercising faith. Yes or no? Yeah. What about when you take a ride on the airplane? Are you exercising faith? You're exercising faith on a pilot you don't even know. When you go to a restaurant and you eat, are you trusting the food? You don't even know if the cook spit on it, okay? I remember this story in Ong Pin. You know, this policeman kept asking for money. He keeps extorting people. Then he came to Christ, and then he told the restaurant owner, you know, sir, I will not ask money anymore from you. I am now born again. And the restaurant owner said, okay, I will no longer spit saliva on your (laughs) food." Crazy. (laughs) My friend, what is biblical faith? Are you ready? Biblical faith is putting your trust in who God is, His promises. Putting your faith, putting your trust in Jesus, who He is, His promises on His character, it always has an object. Your faith is useless if the object is unreliable. It doesn't matter how big your faith is. Think about it. It doesn't matter how big your faith is if the object of your faith is totally unreliable. It's like a woman. She has great faith. She married a man. But that man is totally unreliable her faith will be shattered. Because the object of her faith is totally unreliable. And I'm asking you, it doesn't matter how big your faith is or how small, just put it on the most reliable being in the universe, God. God is big, God is faithful, He's powerful, and you can trust Him. And that is the story of Rehab. Are we ready? All right. I want to share with you the four aspects of victorious faith from Rahab. Number one, her faith is centered on truth. Number two, her faith is courageous. Because her faith was real, centered on truth, it gives you courage. That's the evidence of true faith. And number three, her faith makes her concerned for others. And lastly, her faith is continuing. When I say continuing, it means enduring it passed on to the next generation because it's real. It's genuine. All right? So, let's begin. Let's look at uh, Hebrews—no, Joshua chapter 1. The Bible tells us, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men, a spy secretly from Sittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. Now, you have to understand geography. I will show you the geography next week. I'm speaking again next week. About how Joshua crossed the Jordan River. But right now, you have to understand, Jericho is the first city they will encounter. So they sent two spies. All right? Sending spies is not a sign of unbelief, it's a sign of using your coconut, using your head. While God has promised Joshua, you, I'm giving you this land. Do you recall last Sunday, our message last Sunday? Do you recall? What is victorious faith, victorious living? Number one, align with God's purpose, God's promises, and God's precepts. Do things God's way, and that's a guarantee to success, to victory. God's what? Purpose. God's purpose is for them to enter the promised land. But they sent to spies. Why? Not because of unbelief. You know, a man of faith will also do his part. So Joshua was doing his part, just to make sure, not just to make sure, to find out how to attack the city. But if you ask me, humanly speaking, that is the purpose. Spies secretly from city, go view the land, especially Jericho. But in God's eyes, can I tell you the real purpose? God sent us two spies, not just to check out on Jericho, but to save Rahab. Those two men were sent there. Divinely, you may call it accidentally, they encountered a girl. What's the name of the girl? They went in and came into the house of a harlot. That word harlot has a double meaning. Innkeeper and a prostitute. But the New Testament explains clearly she was a prostitute, not just an innkeeper. If you watch Western movies, you will see those girls in the inn, in the hotel, you have all kinds of, you know, sex for sale. Okay, that kind of picture. But this girl, her name was Reha. So, they stayed there. Now, I want you to imagine Rahab the prostitute. Why was this story included in the Bible? It is to let you know and let me know that God uses what? Everybody? Ordinary people, even less than ordinary people. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you what is your past. You know, many times, when I pray for people, when I hear their stories, I cry because it was, it, it's really horrible. I realize there are many people who are suffering today, broken marriages, broken families, financial problems, and my heart goes out to them. My only comfort to protect me from going through depression is to believe that God is real, and I pray for them, and I surrender to them, and I surrender their problems to God. Because there are many, many of us. You may look happy on the outside. But I know in your life, you are struggling. But I have good news for you. The good news is this. You don't have to be a harlot like Rahab forever. You don't have to live a miserable life forever. Is that good news? All right. Number one, your faith must be anchored on truth. Rahab was a pagan. Her background was Canaanite. And she was a liar. Do you know her past? I'll tell you, she's an expert in, in lying. She's pagan. Continue reading. It was told the king of Jericho, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come tonight to search the land, and the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab. Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. Apparently, the king knew. Strangers will first stay in this place. Maybe they're after sex or whatever. Next verse, look. The women, the woman, Brahab, had taken the two men and hid them. You I want you to begin asking, why did she hide them? What was going on in her mind? She said, Yes, the men came, but I did not know where they were from. It came about, it was time to shut the gate. And at dark that the men went out, I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. Was she a good liar? Yes or no? Read the next verse. She had brought them up to the roof, hidden them in the stalks of of flax which she laid in order on the roof. The men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords, and as soon as those who who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, in between this incident, something happened. Let's look at the Bible. Continue. Before they lay down, She came up to them on the roof and said to the men, notice what she said, I know that the Lord, this should be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, okay? Yahweh has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted. In other words, somehow, her faith was impacted. How was it impacted? Ladies and gentlemen, you will notice about the Bible. When the Bible describes Rehab as lying, it's called descriptive passage versus prescriptive passage. Descriptive passage is describing what happened. Example, Solomon had 300, 700 wives and 300 concubines. How many wives? Okay, 300 wives and 700 concubines. That is what you call descriptive. Some of my new friends who are studying the Bible thought it is prescriptive. Wow, I can have many wives. Sorry that is what you need to learn prescriptive or descriptive this is what you call descriptive describing Rehab as is where is but now look at her faith she said i know that the lord has given you the land what else does she know about god read the next verse we have heard how the lord capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of Amorites, Sihon and Og. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, when you read the entire Bible, you begin to see how God is at work. The miracle in Egypt to open the Red Sea for the people to cross over apparently was known throughout the land. It is a historical event. It is not just in the Bible. When those of you who will go with us to Egypt, I will show you on the curbstone how the Egyptians described what happened to Israel. So this is something known in that part of the world. But the truth is this. You can hear testimonies. You can read the Bible in your head, but it does not affect your heart. Only the grace of God will do something in your heart. I have many friends, many people, they come here every Sunday, or they go to other churches every week. Guess what happened? Nothing. Do you know there are some people who are growing up in Christian families? They know the Bible, but it's all in the head. Nothing happens. That's what you call dead faith. That is not victorious faith. I want you to learn how to have victorious faith. Victorious faith is real faith. It is centered on truth. You see, how do we make decisions? Can I tell you how people make decisions? Beware of misplaced faith. But before I tell you misplaced faith, I want you to read one more verse down. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, no courage remained in any man any longer. Look at what she declared. For the Lord again. Is this capital or small letter? Capital, no? In my imagination paramalite. Okay. So this is capital. Every time you Have your Bible, and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. It's referring to the name of God, Yahweh. Literally, it's Yahweh. It is so sacred that they don't translate it literally. So it's capital L-O-R-D. Look at her confession. The Lord, your God. Look, everybody read. He is God in heaven, above, and on earth beneath. Apparently, by this time, Rahab was no longer a pagan. Somehow, in her heart, she knew that Yahweh, the God of Israel, is the God of heaven and on earth. Is that amazing? Yes or no? How come, of all the people, she was the only one who is believing that? Do you understand the meaning of grace? the grace of God, something we don't deserve, God's grace will touch your heart. If you have a hardened heart right now, if you are struggling with obedience, listen to me, if you are struggling with God, you are fighting with God, there's only one solution. Look at me. The only solution is you get on your knees and you humble yourself before God and you humble yourself and you tell God, Lord, something's wrong with me. I don't have a heart for you. Will you change my heart? I guarantee you, if you pray sincerely, God will change your heart. But you have to admit that something's wrong with your life. If you don't admit something's wrong with your life and you keep blaming others, you keep blaming your past, nothing is going to happen to you. You will just get worse. Okay? So, Rahab was touched by the Lord. And she decided God is the real God. She placed her faith. It's called anchored, centered on truth. Let me ask you, where is your place centered today? How, what is the basis of your faith? Why do you believe? What do you believe? What are you believing? Can I tell you an example of what people believe in today? The basis of their faith. For example, today, people Okay? Base their faith on tradition. It has always been done this way. Ito pong religion ko. I was born with this religion. I will die with this religion. Their minds are closed. Some people place their faith on feelings. Feeling. Okay? I better stop singing, okay? That's not my gift. But you know, many people Decide things based on feeling. I don't feel like it. This is what makes me happy. So this is the right thing to do. Feeling. Are you aware you may not realize the basis of your faith? Many times, it's feeling. You do things based on your feeling. And that, my friend, is so deceptive. This week, Somebody called me, and I heard a story. One of her relatives was living in, or not living in, having an affair with a married man. And she was telling her, that's wrong. She said, this girl got angry. Everybody's doing it. I mean, it's, and And I love the person. She, I feel good. What's wrong with it, my friend? Can I tell you what's wrong with it? How do you decide? So be careful of your feelings. Your feeling must submit itself. Your emotion must be subservient to the truth. And then the feeling will follow. But it is never feeling first to determine what is true. For some people, popular opinion. Everyone is doing it. It's very sad today. When we, are li- when we are lied to by media, by society, by famous people, and you think what they believe in is the right thing. Because everybody is saying it. Just because everybody believes it is true, it is not true. You have to double-check. For example, I discovered years ago, there was this explorer. I think his name is George DeLong. George DeLong was a U.S. explorer. He wanted to go to the North Pole to claim it for the United States. Except there was a problem. He believes in a map that was prepared by a man by the name of Dr. Henrik Peterman. That map, according to George somehow depicts that the North Pole has some form of thermo water flow where the boat can go through and enter the North Pole. In other words, all the evidence of the past about ice, ice, ice is not true. He believed in this map. He was very sincere that somehow there's a way to go to the North Pole and it's going to be like the Mediterranean Sea, Pacific Ocean. Guess what happened? He was sincere. He believed in the map. In 1879, the USS Janet, that is a ship they went through, got stuck on the ice. And it finally dawned upon him, they got stuck for two years trying to find a way out. They have to get out of the boat. Would you believe it? If you look at his diary, he said, it is really a delusion. There is no such thing. There is no such thing as open polar seas. There's no such thing in the North Pole. The map is wrong, majority of the people are wrong because they believe that somehow there is water there. Yeah, but it's not water, it's ice. And he died. Many of his crew, some survived, but he personally died. My friend, what map are you following? What is the basis of the direction of your life? You see, the impact is not immediate. Right now, it can be okay. You are following your own uh, GPS, your own map. Can I tell you something? In my case, I've decided to humble myself. I have stopped trusting my own judgment. Stopped listening to what famous people say. You know what the Bible tells us about truth? You'll be amazed at Psalm 119. Everybody read this verse. The sum of your word is truth. So, My faith is anchored on truth, the Word of God. The sum of your Word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. My friend, eventually, your faith is a choice. Is it going to be centered on God, on who Jesus is, on the Bible, or is it going to be on human opinion, what you believe, what your teacher says, what people are saying? It's really funny. People don't realize your faith, ultimately, is a choice. Think about it. You know why I choose the Bible? Attend our Bible study in GLC with a course on why I believe the Bible is true. You need, all of you need to study that. Don't just believe, well, the Bible Bible says this, the Bible says that. Sure, but why do you believe the Bible? You can keep saying, Sabinum no Bible, Sabinum no Bible. Yeah, but why? Why do you believe the Bible? You see, once you are convinced the Bible is the Word of God, it is accurate, it is true, based on archaeology, believe it or not, internal evidence, external evidence, understand? Based on history, based on Israel, based on the Dead Sea Scroll, there are many evidences. Then, you will decide for yourself. Now, I believe. You see, many of our young people today are brainwashed by media, by cell phone knowledge. I call that, uh, not TikTok, but uh, all of those messages that people pass from one person to another. Okay? I am a doubter. I am a doubting Thomas. When people say something, I want to check, I always check. And after many years, I've decided the Bible is the Word of God. Number two, her faith is courageous. You know why? The evidence of true faith will now require action. That's why she was willing everybody look did she risk her life by hiding the spice? Did she risk her life? Was she courageous in doing that? You know why? Real faith is courageous. It takes action. You cannot just have faith in the head, but no action. For example, let's look at the Bible. Let's read the Everybody, please read Hebrews chapter 11 so that you will know the basis of our faith. You know the basis of our faith? Look at, By the way, Rahab and Sarah are the only two women recorded in the heroes of faith. The book of Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the heroes of faith. And you have only two women recorded there. One was Sarah, the wife of Abraham. She was commended for her faith. And the other woman was Rahab. She was recommended, not recommended, she was commended for her faith, not for her lying. Let me repeat. She was commended for her faith. Look at her faith. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days by faith, everybody read, by faith, Rahab the harlot, the prostitute, this word, the Greek word is about porneia, a real prostitute, Rahab, did not perish along with those who were disobedient. Wow, I was trying to study who were those who were disobedient after she welcomed the spies she was so courageous, she welcomed the spies. But who were those who were disobedient? Apparently, in the eyes of God, the entire city of Jericho has heard what they heard. They have known what God did to the Egyptians. My friend, when the Red Sea was opened, it became a public information. It became public information. Everybody knew God was there. He opened the Red Sea. But you know what? You can hear in your head, but not change in your heart. Why? You want to follow your tradition. You want to follow your old religion. You want to follow your old practices. Look at James, the book of James. Everybody read this together. What do we mean by courageous faith? You see, a man is justified by works, huh? And not by faith alone. Wow, Peter, is that heresy? In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. The Bible is not contradicting itself. The Bible is now describing to us what is real faith versus dead faith. Real faith will have action. Real faith is not all in the head. And that's what the book of James is all about. The Bible says, for by grace, we are saved through faith. Except many people abuse that faith. I believe. I believe. How do you know you believe? The evidence of faith is transformed lives. The evidence of faith is changed behavior. If you have no change, no action, the Bible is saying your faith, everybody read, faith without works is dead. So, the Bible is not against saving faith. The Bible is just saying, make sure your faith is real. See, I'm so glad we have a lot of young people here. The problem with people who grew up in the church, they think they have faith. You know why? Their faith is knowledge. I believe, I know. What about your life? See, Jesus said, by their fruit, by their fruit, you will know them. If you keep on living in sin, you keep on lying, you keep losing your temper, something is wrong. You have not been changed. Look at the testimony of Fea. What did Fea said? Look at her verse, how she ended. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ. So, I can never be a judge. I can never tell, tell people, saved or not saved. You know why? Only God knows. Amen? But you know. You know in your heart whether you have Christ in you, whether He's your Lord, and whether you love Him or not. So, in this room, and all of, us who, and all of you who are watching us in TV, in YouTube, Facebook, wh- wherever you are, I want you to examine your own faith. Number one is your faith centered on truth, who God is. Number two is your faith, real, courageous. You see, real faith is courageous. It is not the absence of fear, okay? But you take action. Do you recall that famous guy by the name of Bob? Okay, I'll give that illustration another week. Right now, I want you to read. Okay, this is amazing story about genuine faith versus uh, not genuine faith, courageous faith. If you analyze James chapter two, what do you notice about the faith of Rahab? Was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers? And sent them out by another way. What the Bible is saying, because Rahab believed in who God is, that God is going to give them the whole land. She did what she did. Because faith will produce what? Deeds. If you don't have deeds, something is not right. Do you know? Every time you follow God, it takes courage. Let me give you an example. Those of you who are in business, to pay taxes properly takes courage. Because many people fear what will happen to me. It takes faith. To be honest it takes faith. I remember one of our members was given bribe money. He was given bribe money. He refused. The amount is big. When he reported to his wife, the wife was very sad. <laughs> and being honest, because when you're honest, sometimes you say no. But, but to make a long story short, I hope someday this guy will give a testimony. He's very careful not to give testimony yet because he doesn't want to implicate the other government officials. But the reality is, uh, I know many many of you, you're honest, and you're willing to sacrifice financial gain because you put your trust in God. But can I tell you something? Look at your life. You will experience amazing blessing. And this guy recently was blessed, but when you make those steps, it's not always easy. I remember years ago when CCF was beginning, there was a girl who was living in with a married man for the simple reason because he was the sugar daddy. Have you heard of that term, sugar daddy? Because how will she earn a living? But she came and came to know Jesus, and she knew that was wrong. So she made a tough decision. Remember, faith is courageous. Of course, there is fear. It's never the absence of fear, but your courage transcends your fear. You know her fear? Who will take care of my children? Who will take care of me? Would you believe it? God bless her. She was able to put up her own company, Manpower Export. And then she put up a security agency. But she will never experience this if she did not give up everything for the Lord. You see, when you are desperate, God gives you ideas. That's the time grace kicks in. So some of you, you need to ask yourself, what kind of faith do I have? Real faith? Centered on Christ? Centered on truth? Courageous? Some of you, God is telling you now, start a new group. You should start a small group. You should start serving me. And you know what you're doing? You're still sitting in your chair. You know why? You're afraid. You're afraid to step out of your comfort zone. Serving God will always take courage. So some of you, I'm telling you now, you need to step up. Do what God wants you to do. You know what? You will never know what God can do in your life, through your life, until you step out in faith. Amen? Okay, here's my promise for you from the Bible. In Psalm, the Bible tells us, everybody read this, When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God, I put my trust, I shall not be afraid. In other words, when I'm afraid, (coughs) the meaning of this is it's normal to be afraid from time to time. Every time you're afraid, it's a call to prayer. When I am afraid, what will you do? I will now change my mindset. I will put my trust in you. My wife gave me a quotation today. She said, "You." She said, what, "What do you think of this? Trust in God and trust yourself to God. When you trust in God, you entrust everything to God." Okay. In God's word, I praise. In God, I put my trust. So, my friend, how's your faith? Courageous. Last, uh, almost last, third point. Ma is not third point. You know why? Third point is concern for others. You know, her faith was so real. She was concerned for others. Look at what the Bible tells us. Look at her victorious faith. Okay, victorious faith. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with me, my father's household. Give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father and my mother, and my brothers, and my sisters, with all who belong to them, and deliver our lives from death." She was concerned for her family. Do you realize Rahab was single? She has no husband. So she just said, will you save my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all belong to them? A concern for others. Do you have concern for others? Yes or no? You know, I was surprised at the way the Apostle Paul shows concern. To show concern for others, I have two suggestions. Number one, what's your life? Make sure you honor God. Number two, you witness with your mouth. But start with your life and then with your mouth. What's the use of talking about Jesus when you live like the devil? Okay, so today, I want you to be concerned with your loved ones by reaching out to them. How do you reach out to them? Watch your life. Pray for them. Share the gospel with them. Many of us are good in sharing the gospel. You know, I'm so glad when uh, Albin brought his father. This is a public information so I can talk about your father, okay? His father? (laughs) You can video camera them if you want. Albin. This is public information, so I don't mind sharing. They were at odds for 17 years. Alvin shared last night how he prayed for his father for 17 years, how he asked for forgiveness, and how his father also asked for forgiveness. 17 years. That's the meaning of concern for others. Are you excited? Look at the father. They are now worshiping with us. Praise God. You know, this is what I'm saying. God can give you a victorious life on the condition that it is real faith, huh? Victorious faith. What is victorious faith? Pana si, 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 Simple. What is the first C? Centered on truth. Next C courageous. Tuna, huh? Tunay, with action. Number three, concern for others. And lastly, continuing. I really did not like the word continuing. I like the word enduring, but you know, for the sake of you who are like me, bad memory. So, she, 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 see. enduring faith. What is enduring faith? Believe it or not, if you read the whole story, okay? Let's read it quickly, okay? So the man said to her, our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours. So they made a covenant with each other. He said, come about when the Lord gives us the land, that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you." Continue. She let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, so that she was living on the wall. You must have your own imagination. Now. The wall of Jericho, many scholars, archaeologists tell us, 15, wide, 15 feet wide. It's a double wall. So, they live in between the walls. Okay? So, she has a condo unit. It's called, view with view okay. in the wall. She said to them, go to the hill country, the pursuers will not happen upon you, blah, 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 blah. Next verse. Let's go to the next verse. Now, this is important. The men said to her, we shall be free from this oath which we have given you unless when we come into the land, you tie this cord of scarlet thread in the window through which you let us down and, everybody read Gather for yourself into the house your father, your mother, and your brothers, and all your father's household. What's the condition? You tie this scarlet cord. Now, when you read the Bible superficially, you don't see the implication of the scarlet cord. The scarlet cord is symbolic. Throughout the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you see the blood of Jesus is sprinkled throughout the Bible. Why is it colored red? Why? It's symbolic. It's like a prophecy of what Christ will do for us. You tie this scarlet cord. Why? Let me tell you why. They say, let's continue reading. It shall come about that anyone who goes out of the doors of your house into the streets, his blood shall be on his own head, if you are not in the house, and we shall be free. But anyone who is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head, if a hand is laid upon him." Continue reading. If you tell this business of ours, we shall be free from this oath which you have made us swear. Remember, continuing faith, enduring faith is obedient faith, okay? She listened. She said, according to your words, so be it. She sent them away and they departed. Everybody read. She tied the scarlet cord in the window. Look at the condition of salvation. You put this rope on the window so we know where you are and all your family must be in that place. You know what this reminds me of? Exodus. Passover. Look at Exodus, chapter 12. The Lord will pass through to kill the Egyptians, and when He sees the blood on the lintel, on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. The only way to be saved from the judgment of God in the land of Egypt is to put the blood of the Lamb on the doorpost, but you must stay inside the house. It's very clear. When He sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over. In other words, God is saying when He sees the blood of Jesus over your life, you will not be judged or condemned for damnation. My salvation is anchored on the promise. of of God through Jesus. And that's exactly what happened to Rahab. When the people of Israel attacked the city of Jericho, you know what happened? Let me show you. The Bible tells us, Rahab, the harlot, and her father's household, and all she had, Joshua spared, and she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. Rahab Survive when everybody else died. People, you need to understand now, the only way you will survive the coming judgment is when you are in the blood of Jesus. When you have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You know what's most amazing? Rahab was mentioned three times in the New Testament. The third time is this, she became the ancestor of Jesus. Ah, are you aware of that? Look at Matthew. The record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Abraham. How in the world did God do this to show you and to show me that nobody is so bad that the grace of God cannot rehabilitate? Look at Rehab. Rehab was the father of Boaz, by Rahab. In other words, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Rahab intermarried. And he, she produced a guy by the name of Boaz, father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse, Jesse was the father of David. In other words, Rahab was one of the ancestors, great-great-great-grandmother of who? Jesus. Now can you ever ask yourself, why did God choose a prostitute? That to me is the amazing thing about the grace of God. All of you can be used by God. No one is so bad. That is beyond hope. You're only if you are willing to humble yourself, if you are willing to change. Are you willing to change for the new beginning? Let's bow our heads and pray. As your heads are bowed down, if God has spoken to you and you are willing to change like Rahab, you are willing to transfer your faith from other gods, from yourself to Jesus. I want to pray for you. Will you raise your hand? Praise God. You see, today can be your new beginning higher, and those of you who raised your hands, I want you to pray this prayer with me, okay? Lord Jesus, I realize my faith is misplaced. I realize you are the Savior. I realize no matter what is my past, I can have a new beginning. So Jesus, today, I place my trust in you. Lord Jesus, I invite you today as my Lord and my Savior. I surrender to you my past. I surrender to you my failures. And today is my new day. Help me to walk with you. Help me to follow you. From this day onward, Lord, I want my faith to be real, centered on truth. I want my faith to have evidence, courageous and help me to be concerned for others, and help my faith to be passed on to the next generation. Lord, I pray that my children will have the same faith, and my children's children will have the same faith, that my faith will be enduring, it will continue. Only by grace can that be accomplished. So I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray.